0: Sometimes when we are trying to present ourselves professionally, our voice changes a little bit. We tighten up a little bit. We try to sound more radio-like, and we try to sound more professional, and then that will stress out our voice a little bit.
1: You're listening to Mike Klassen, professional voiceover talent for corporate and training voiceovers. Not only does Mike hand out a bunch of great tips like this on using your voice, he also has some terrific thoughts on the entrepreneur versus freelancer mindset. And you're about to hear them, because Mike is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Mike Klassen. A very smart, longtime entrepreneur. And like many entrepreneurs, Mike's background is diverse and in many ways related. I knew of Mike back when he was a fellow copywriter and a graphic designer of websites and direct mail packages, or what some might call junk mail. Yep, there's a definite art to it. But today, you might even recognize Mike's voice because he's now an in-demand professional voiceover artist. So Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks
0: for the invitation. And, and you were so kind to say I'm smart. I, that, that is overly optimistic in some cases, but I do appreciate it. And thank you for the invitation.
1: <laughs> it's my pleasure. There's a lot of different kinds of artists. You, know, you have fine art painters, you have graphic designers, graffiti artists, photographers, and the list goes on. But I imagine there's a lot of variety in the voice talent world as well, isn't there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. What I tend to, to focus on is training material, e-learning, explainers, that sort of stuff. But there's the commercial things that you hear on radio and TV all the time. Uh, there's the phone messaging that you hear when you get placed on that endless tree that frustrates you to no end where you're trying to get to a human. Uh, somebody's voicing that. And then animation, That's I did a class in that and quickly realized I do not have that sort of skill set. So just because you can do voiceover in one area doesn't mean you can do it everywhere. And I love to teach. So e-learning is kind of where I fell into.
1: Gotcha. So we can't blame you for the on hold uh, background, at least.
0: No, I'm one of those, you know, just like everybody else going operator, operator, (laughs) hoping to get through. But I understand it pays well. So I wouldn't be opposed to doing that sort of work. But it's not where I tend to fall into place there. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's just cool. So so voiceovers, I, mean, I, I really that that's a cool thing, I think. You know, I mean, you hear about voiceover artists, but how did you get from copywriter and then you went to graphic designer and now you're a voiceover artist? What led you down this path?
0: Yeah, well, I started out in high school working in radio. Now, I was not some famous on-air DJ. I did a little bit of on-air work, but a lot of behind the scenes button pushing, we call them board operators. So, I got used to a microphone back then. Eventually moved out of that and went into computers and ended up at Microsoft doing some tech writing and whatnot. And then I wanted to start my own business, so I enjoyed writing. That's what I was doing at Microsoft as a tech writer. So that's where I kind of started out. And then by chance, I added graphic design for direct marketing as a part of that as well. So that takes us to almost to the voiceover. My daughter does acting, so I took her to a lot of acting classes. And then there was a voiceover class and I signed her up for that. It was a weekend course in Vancouver. I don't live too far from even though I'm in the States, I live close to Vancouver, BC. So I took her to this weekend class and when I came to pick her up each day, the kids were having so much fun doing the voiceover. And that's about the time when I was closing in on 50 years of age and kind of reevaluating, you know, is this what I want to keep doing? Do I want to do anything else? And as I looked at her having so much fun, I thought, you know, I used to talk into a microphone. So it's not something that's too far out of my reach. And so I went back and did some training. And that's kind of how I fell into it, really by seeing how much my daughter was having a good time with it.
1: That's really cool. And I've had similar kind of situations where, you know, our kids take part in different events and we we either meet people or we we learn new experiences. For example, we we started homeschooling our family because my oldest son back many years ago, back in 2000, you know, he was just a little guy. And Most of the people who were in theater at that point were actually homeschoolers. So Homeschooling, what's that? (laughs) And so it's interesting how you can just make new connections in, in the most interesting ways. And that's pretty cool. It led you down that path that you were helping your daughter. And then here you are doing this and you know, I, I think that's fascinating. Now, here's a funny thing also is today, this is I was just talking with Mike before the show. This is my third interview today. Uh, I decided to do a whole bunch at one shot and and uh, I had taught an hour-long class earlier today and I can honestly say this is the most I've probably talked in a single day in a long time. And my throat's starting to get sore and I, I might sound a little bit hoarse at this point. Uh, so I was wondering, Mike, as a voiceover artist, how much time do you spend in your studio every day actually recording your voice, talking into a microphone and how do you keep from getting sore through Throats and going hoarse, like I'm about to go here.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, you're a glutton for punishment for doing all that in one day when you're not used to it. And your voice will get like that. For me, a lot of it actually was from the radio training. I worked in news. Eventually, I was a news director. So going on the air for long periods of time and reading copy, you just, your voice gets trained for that. And you learn how to, I think, be kind to your voice. Sometimes when we are trying to present ourselves professionally, Our voice changes a little bit. We tighten up a little bit. We try to sound more radio-like and we try to sound more professional. And then that will stress out our voice a little bit. The other thing we don't do a lot of that we should in general is drinking lots of water, keeping ourselves hydrated. And then for me, I know just to take breaks. A lot of the e-learning stuff that I do, especially stuff that needed to be done like yesterday, you know, those, those sort of projects where someone hires you and they needed it yesterday. Yep. So you have to do a lot, but you also have to be realistic. And so I know that there are certain times of the day that I'm better than others. I know I can go for a certain amount of time and then I just need to stop. I don't push myself. I don't push my voice because you can hear it over the course of, of many hours of recording. I can hear if I've pushed myself because The first, you know, the first slide of an e-learning project, it sounds nice and fresh. And, you know, somewhere around slide 100, it's been this subtle change. And then when you come back the next day, you're fresh again, and then it sounds all wonky. So it's mainly giving yourself a chance to rest your voice, be hydrated, not try to stress your voice to be something it isn't. And then again, like I said, in my case, there was just a lot of experience in my past where I was used to that. And I think there's something just naturally where I I can pace myself.
1: That's great advice. I've been drinking a ton of water today. I think it's really interesting what you said, though, as far as how you stress your voice. And and probably I'm doing that because this is, you know, podcasting is a new thing for me. And it's different for me to speak into a microphone all day. I'm used to being a typing guy as a copywriter, my main line of work. And so this speaking gig is, is, a, is a brand new area, and I love to hear that it's going to be something that you can kind of train your voice into, but is that something that, that comes naturally, or, or is there specific things I should be doing to, to help there, if you don't mind?
0: Well, one thing you want to keep in mind is a lot of things contribute to the stress of our bodies and the stress of our voice, and as you're new for this, you're thinking more than just you and I talking. You've got the technical aspect of what we're doing. You've got in the back of your mind, I've done this a lot and it's almost done and I'm finally gonna be done with this for the day, but then I've got to do this tomorrow. So part of that is just getting comfortable with all these different things that are going on around you as we're having this conversation. You know, you're probably keeping an eye on a clock too. That sort of stuff, believe it or not, will kind of stress you out a little bit, just slightly. And then whatever stresses out our bodies that will come out in our voice. So you wanna get to this point where you can kinda put all this other stuff aside and just remember that we're just having a conversation here. It's like I'm giving you therapy now. We're just having a conversation, Steve, it's okay. I want you to lay back and relax on the couch and stuff like that. So it is something that comes with time when you can put all these other new things that you're having to deal with out of your mind.
1: Terrific, hey, I appreciate that because that's the thing is we wanna have a conversation. This is not, you know, grill Mike. This is at the Grill Mike Hour. It's the, let's have a conversation with Mike and enjoy our time together. And I, I'm enjoying this. I'm already learning great things. I hope our audience is as well. But I'm curious about one thing, and that's the voiceover work for your clients. You know, we hear about like audiobook speakers and, and those who do speaking tracks and animated movies. They get credit for that. Do you, do you get credit like on the back of your, your, your course you record for or something like that? Do you get credits?
0: No, no, nothing like that. Sometimes when you do audio books, you might get a percentage and that's, that's a whole other topic. I love to read, but I don't have any desire to do audiobooks. They don't actually pay that well unless you're a well-known name doing a well-known book that's going to sell. So getting a percentage of a book that doesn't really sell that much, not, there's a lot of work that goes into an audio book. For e-learning, no, there's no set, I, I don't get a percentage of anything. Sometimes with the commercial work, depending on if it gets used, you might get paid based on it's going to be used for a year. If we use it for another year, you will get paid again. You're not re-recording it. But in those cases, sometimes you can get a little bit of money back, but not for the type of stuff that I traditionally do.
1: Gotcha. Well, that's actually that's a great point. I was actually thinking more along the lines of like getting your name in the book uh, as as the person through the narration.
0: Uh depends on what sort of narration. I mean, a lot of companies that I work with when it's e-learning, they want to keep you because a lot of the training material needs to be updated. I've done a lot of stuff where there have been there are government regulations. And so as you know, with government regulations eventually they're going to change. Now, the company doesn't want to have to hire somebody else to re-record anything. They'll want to come back to you just so you can you know, change a sentence or a paragraph or two. But that's, that's how I primarily get repeat business is when you work with a company that does a lot of training, they're going to keep calling you because they want a consistent sound to their training material.
1: And that, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, as a voiceover artist, you, of course, you have to get those first clients in the first place. So how, yeah. how, did, you, how did you get started getting clients in this new realm?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And it's, it's, it's just like any other thing where you're trying to convince somebody to use you. And, I'll, and this, uh, this applies to copywriting, design, anything, where if somebody needs the type of work that you do, chances are they already have somebody to do that. So why would they hire you? So you spend a lot of time, first of all, trying to find a company that does the sort of thing that you provide. So I contact via email uh, a lot of companies that do training material. And that's kind of easy to figure out on the internet. There's lots of uh, companies there's, that you've never heard of before. I haven't heard of most of the companies that I work with before, but they are out there. And so, you reach out to them, let them know what you do. You send them your, your demo, which is about a minute 30 of, of you doing whatever you do best. For me, it's e-learning. And then if they, they need you, uh, they will ask for more information. Maybe they will put you on their roster if they do a lot of e-learning material. I have some companies that I work with where they produce the training material for another company, but that other company will listen to a bunch of voices and say, you know what? We like that voice. Or maybe they want a woman instead of a guy. Maybe they want someone who sounds young versus old. And then they'll say, that's the voice we want. So other times you luck out. And you find a company that says, yeah, we, we were looking for a new voice. We just lost somebody or we were using somebody internally and we realized he really stinks. And so we'd <laughs> like to hire a professional. So that's, that's part of how I get work, the, the direct marketing myself. I do have some agents, though. I have one in Seattle and one in Dallas, and that's more for commercial work. And what happens there is that voiceover talent signs with an agency and then the jobs come from them. Like I said, usually that's commercial work, Uh, maybe Amazon, or uh, I have to be careful because I can't, uh, NDAs prevent me from saying who's hiring and whatnot, but I did complete a project for Microsoft, strangely enough, having worked for them uh, a few weeks ago. And that came through an agency where it was sent out to a bunch of voiceover artists. They had to do an audition with a, a short script and then Microsoft said, we want these people. And so I went into uh, Seattle to, to record. So basically the short answer is direct marketing for some work and from agencies for other.
1: That's interesting. I'd like to explore that, the Microsoft connection just a little bit. Now, was that, was that for training material there? Was that actually commercials like you know, a commercial for Microsoft software or something of that nature?
0: In this case, it was for an internal video that was going to play as employees came in for a large company meeting. So they'd walk through the door and there'd be this video that's just on a loop, kind of inspiring them of what was coming up at this meeting.
1: It came to an agency. So when you work with agencies like that, do they get like a cut of the overall compensation or how does that, how do you work with an agency in that way?
0: Yeah, basically uh, the agency will take 10%. So whatever I get paid, the agent gets 10% of that, which is fine because I wouldn't get the job otherwise without an agent. So 10% doesn't strike me as too bad.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. It puts it in their interest to give you more money because they get more money. So that makes a lot of sense too.
0: Right. And the, and the joy of that is I don't have to worry about negotiating what a price would be. E-learning is, is pretty easy for me to price. Commercial stuff, it can be used in so many different places and the rates can be all over the place. I personally don't want to deal with that. So I'm happy for an agent to do it and then give them 10% if I get the gig.
1: That makes a lot of sense to me. So when someone comes to you, Mike, from voiceover, what are they really looking from you? Obviously, they're looking for your voice, but why do they hire you as opposed to just recording in-house? What would be the key reasons behind hiring somebody like you? Uh,
0: A couple of reasons. First of all, yes, you can do it internally, but usually somebody at a company doesn't have a sound booth like I do. So I don't know if it it shows on this podcast, but as far as when I'm recording my stuff into my software, the sound is very good. It's very clear. And especially when you're doing e-learning, you don't want stuff in the background like Joe over in accounting, he likes to read, but then the air conditioner came on. So part of it's kind of, you know, kind of muffled. And, and then Joe, his, his voice, he kind of, you know, he stretched his voice a little bit too. So by the end of the training, you can barely hear him as he's kind of horsing out his his sound. That's one reason, just a professional a professional recording not only in the tone of voice, but also in the clarity. The last thing you want to do is frustrate people with e-learning material that they can't hear or understand. The other thing is just kind of basic. Um, I'm talking normally here, and so I'll speed up and slow down, but I know in e-learning that you need to take a very deliberate pace, not go too slow. You also need to understand what needs to be stretched out, important concepts. Uh, I've done some (laughs) e-learning for some training for technicians who install solar panels. And as I was reading that material, I realized if you make a mistake as a technician, you could kill yourself. Literally, you could kill yourself. So when I get to that important stuff, I know I better slow it down because this is really important. Uh, the other thing is a lot of companies don't need a uh, voiceover talent every day. So it's kind of pointless to pay somebody for that. Uh, it's just like a lot of freelance types of jobs. It's good just to bring somebody in when you need them. And then there's other little things. I mean, as far as my personal, when people bring me in, I have taught before. I love to teach. So I'm really comfortable with this sort of material. And at least from what I hear from my clients is that that comes through.
1: I'm curious, when someone does hire you for a voiceover project and you got the agreement signed, what does your typical process look like? How do you begin that relationship and what can your clients expect?
0: What usually happens is is they know they're putting together some sort of training material and somebody on their side is usually writing it. And when they contact me, they say, you know, here's what we're going to do. This is what we need as far as let me step back to try to give you a more complete picture. Often the training material is PowerPoint slides. They will be put into a video and someone will advance through that video looking at those slides. I'll be narrating some content that's not necessarily on the slide, but some background information. Let's say with the solar panels, again, we're showing you how to hook up the batteries and whatnot. There might be a battery of the, a picture of the battery hookup, but I'm explaining in more detail how you're going to hook that up. So then that gets all merged together. So what I'm usually sent is a PowerPoint file that has in it the presenter notes. If people have used uh, PowerPoint before, Uh, you know there's an area where you can put in the presenter notes and that's where they usually put in the script for me to read from and I just read each of those slides into a separate file now we're really getting into the nitty-gritty which might be overkill for some but that's usually how it happens I'm given the script I record it into audio files send it back to them and then they merge that together to form the video that their uh, customers are going to see
1: that that's great I mean I really had no idea at all so I was really curious what that looked like and uh I so, tried
0: not to get too geeky about it, <laughs> but there's a little bit more to it than that, but that's the basics. They give me the script, I read it onto files, and then send it back to them. That, that's the ultimate short answer.
1: Gotcha. So is it like an MP3 you send back? and Is it like by you know Dropbox share or email or something like that, I take it?
0: Yeah, it's either uh, an MP3 or sometimes they want a WAV file, and usually they're pretty large. So yeah, we set it up on a Dropbox where I can just upload it to them.
1: Gotcha. Makes sense. So let me put you on the spot a bit. Uh, let's say someone... They have an abysmal budget, right? And they're, you know, it's a small company or whatever. They'd love to hire you, uh, but they just can't afford Mike's rates. So they decided to go ahead and record themselves. Now, you gave me some tips about voice. Any tips for first-timers on recording, narration, whether it's e-learning or, or something else, anything that you'd say would be kind of universal tips for uh, self-recording?
0: Yeah, there are a few things. I've, I've written about that before. So I, it's something that does, that scenario that you gave me, comes up a lot where someone would like to hire a professional voice and then you get to price. And it's not that it's ridiculous, but uh, some companies don't have that budget. In fact, no lie, about an hour before you and I started this conversation, I had reached out to a company about um, their e-learning projects, and they wrote back and said, we're a nonprofit. We can't afford a voice over person. So for them, I would point them to a document that I wrote that I have on my website about some tips. And one of those I talked about earlier is just recording at about the same time each day, if it's going to be over a number of days, if it's a lot of material, because our voice does change throughout the day. And I don't know, I know as a guy, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I have that deep, really manly voice that I wish was mine all throughout the day, <laughs> but is not. You know, so you, whatever, it was, whatever happened during your sleep or something, you kind of wake up and you've got a little bit of a rough voice. That's probably not the time you want to be recording something because your voice is going to get its, its, to its natural point throughout the day as you start talking. So I tell people record at the same time each day so your voice has a chance of staying the same throughout multiple sessions. It's called voice consistency. And it's making sure that your voice is the same throughout a long project so that you don't sound really low one day. And the next day, you're, you know, you're recorded <laughs> later in the day and your voice is way up here. That's... that's Kind of odd for the person to listen to. The other thing that I talk about is listen to what you record. I do this all the time. If I have multiple recording days for the same project, I'll listen to what I recorded the day before and read along with myself to get back into that frame of mind that I was in and that tempo things like that so that when I start recording on the new day I'm kind of close to matching what I ended up with the other day we talked about being hydrated that's really important because your your mouth will start getting dry you're, you're you'll get little clicks in your mouth and it's distracting for the listener so those are a few things we also talked about you know taking natural breaks don't push yourself people think oh I've got to get it all done in one session you really shouldn't because then that your voice is going to change the other thing that I, I try to get people to pay attention to is their positioning by the microphone. Let's say the microphone is 6 inches from your mouth one day, but then it's 12 inches and I'm going to stand back here and I don't know if you can hear the difference, but I'm further away yes. from the microphone. And maybe if I look over this way, I'm still at the same distance from the microphone, but I'm looking over here instead of looking over here. Those sorts of things it's just an awareness of your surroundings. So those are some of the tips that I give to people who who just need to do it for whatever reason on their own.
1: That, that's fantastic, both as, as a podcaster and, and also I'm writing a book and I, I'm entertaining this idea. I'm not sure if I'll follow through with it, but of, of possibly narrating my own book because I, I know how I want it delivered. And that's going to certainly be a, a set of tips I'll absolutely follow whether I do the book or not, uh, certainly for podcasting. And I really appreciate that advice. Um, I would like to bring it back um, a little bit to a pure business focus for a bit. In the intro, I said you're a smart guy and I mean that. And I say that because Mike and I have had a great conversation back and forth by email for a few weeks now for those who are listening. And one of the topics we've discussed is what are the real differences between a solopreneur or entrepreneur and a freelancer? And I'll just share that your questions, Mike, alone have really caused me to think much deeper on this topic. And I've personally found it very helpful. And so I know you have some interesting insights on the differences between the two. So I'd like to open the floor for you to share your thoughts on what those differences are for our listeners.
0: Sure, absolutely. You know, a long time ago when I started, I started freelancing in 2003 and that was with copywriting. And I didn't know exactly what I was doing other than I knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know anything about running my own business. And so I was hanging out. I don't know if you're familiar with the book, The Well-Fed Writer by Peter Bowerman.
1: Yes, have it on my shelf.
0: Okay, he, there was a Yahoo group, which probably dates this Anyway, a Yahoo group where some writers or some wannabe writers, including myself, who read his book were discussing things. And we, it was really a lot of, for the most part, the blind leading the blind, because we had no idea what we were doing except trying to find a way to make a lot of money being a writer. And we knew we could write or we believed we could, but we had trouble with all the other stuff. And I thought, why, you know, why are we having that sort of trouble? So my original thought was, we have a lot of trouble because we grew up in an employee-employer relationship. And that's, that's where somebody tells you that you're good enough to be hired. And they tell you what you're going to be paid. They're going to tell you what you're going to do. They're going to tell you where you're going to sit. They're going to tell you how much vacation you get and when maybe you can take it. And if you're not good enough, they'll tell you that too and fire you. Yep. so that's that that's the typical employee employer relationship as a freelancer though you are now responsible for all that okay you have to decide what you're going to get paid and when you need to take a vacation and when you don't and all that sort of stuff and that's where a lot of freelancers stumbled we knew what we could do the writing part but all this other stuff was really difficult and so we were all trying to figure that out and so I, my original thought was well you can be successful as a freelancer once you figure out all this business related stuff, how to market, how to do sales, all that sort of stuff. But yet there was still a missing component to that. And I only discovered it kind of recently. And I'm not saying that I'm the one who discovered this and nobody else did before. It was just something that clicked finally in my mind. And that was the difference between an entrepreneur or a solopreneur and a freelancer. And this is where really it opened my eyes to a new way of thinking. I see a lot of freelancers who are threatened because what they do is being undercut. And the example I, I give a lot is Fiverr. So as a copywriter, both of us having the copywriting background, we know that there are a lot of sites where you can get copywritten by maybe someone who's good, maybe not, for a very low price. It's not the price that you and I would want to charge to actually have an income where we could support a family, right? Right. So, when we see that, we get into a panic. It's like, oh, how am I going to compete with this? I don't want to charge $5 for for copywriting. We get threatened because what I realized, we're kind of defining ourselves by our task. I was a copywriter. I was a designer. Now, I'm a voiceover talent. That is my task. But what I saw from some of my clients who are entrepreneurs is that they didn't define themselves by a task. They define themselves at least internally, by their purpose. And I really had to think about that. I have one client who's done a couple of different things, and I've worked with a couple of his companies doing uh, e-learning material. But I learned from him that his purpose is really environmental issues. That's what really drives him. So in a sense, it doesn't always matter so much what he's doing, the task that he's doing. It just, he needs to fill in, it needs to file into his purpose. And so the companies that I've worked with for him, they have a bigger purpose than just what the business is. And I began to wonder, could my, the way I look at what I do and the way I perceive threats to my task, could that change if I was more focused on a purpose? And then I had to think, well, what would my purpose be? And I'll stop at that point to let you jump in cause I could c- keep talking <laughs> until no, like you're,
1: you're asleep. Thought. I'm actually loving this because this is exactly the kind of conversation we've been having this past few weeks. Is you know what's the real difference? It's all about mindset, and and here's the key uh, because especially for solopreneurs because we're sitting here often alone in our you know our bedroom office or our kitchen or or even over at Starbucks, but we don't know anybody over at Starbucks probably except for the barista who makes our you know our latte or whatever. <laughs> and it's like okay, I'm doing this business for my clients, but so I'm kind of feeling alone in the world and what sets me apart. And then here's all these other people. It's a world of competition. And I, go, I can go online and find people to do what I do all day long for cheaper. Um, so what sets me apart and why should somebody come to me? And you're nailing it. You're saying exactly what our mindset shift needs to be in order to say, hey, there's a good reason why somebody ought to come to me and not you know, Joe Schmo over on Fiverr. And, and please carry on because <laughs> I'm loving this.
0: Well, and here's the important thing, and this this can be very difficult, especially for a freelancer to to understand. If you are really caught up in your task, and I keep going back to copywriter because that's where you and I have some common ground, and that doesn't work out, are you going to be crushed? Are you going to see yourself as a failure? Well, you might if the copywriting doesn't work out, but if you are more focused on a general purpose you can move on to something else. And I'm gonna give you my personal example. I didn't realize that I had a purpose until I looked back at my, my career and my work and saw, yeah, there is a common thread that's really important to me to the point where I really don't care what the task is as long as I'm serving the purpose. I love to teach. I don't know where I got that from, But I really do. I've taught um, some continuing education classes uh, at a college. I got a chance to to teach some business people in Australia. That was a cool trip, you know, to go to Australia and and teach some people some, some business related stuff. As a copywriter, what I like about copywriting is educating people. And sometimes you can do that through sales copies. Not all sales is bad. Most of the copy that I write these days is just for myself to to help other people. When I was doing the design stuff, again, working with direct marketers, but I loved being a part of creating something that was educating people. And I love this with with sales stuff. I give the example of my grandmother. She was the type who was into health. She's 100 years old as of this moment. So she has taken good care of herself. And she would read the, the stuff that came in the mail that most of us would throw out. There are people who like to be educated in that way. And not all the the junk mail, as you said earlier, not all of it's bad. Some of it is. I used to say I don't write the lies, I just make them look good. But there <laughs> is a lot of there is a lot of material out there that's good. And I love being a part of that. I also got to design books for people. And these books were educational in some way or form. And now in voiceover, as I've mentioned many times already, I do e-learning. Why? Because I love to teach. I love to help people or businesses. Uh, get ahead or or become better than than what they are right now in some way so that is my passion when I realized that I wasn't so hung up on how I fulfill that as a voiceover talent any day I could wake up and find I lose my voice I know another voiceover talent recently who had a stroke a year ago and he, he couldn't talk for a while it took him a long time to come back and I thought what would happen if I were to lose my voice Would I be crushed because I can't do the task? And I thought, no, as long as somewhere else I can find a way to deal with the passion and that's teaching people and reaching people. And for me, that was just very eye-opening. Like I said, it may not be an original idea. It was original to me and that changed how I perceive my task. I don't feel threatened by Fiverr or other sites like that because if for some reason the voiceover goes away, there are other ways that I can fulfill my desire to have this passion for teaching people and helping people.
1: Wow, Mike, that, that's funny because now, now there's two things we're very clearly aligned on. And, and one was the, the copyright and background. But the other thing is, that's exactly why I have a podcast now because I also love to teach. And that I finally just kind of discovered this recently. I've been doing it for a while and loving it, but it kind of just hit me uh, not very long ago that you know, this is kind of like what I've been born to do. It's what I, It lights up my face when I tell people about it. When I, when I actually do it, I have joy in the doing. And it's not, and like you said, it's not the task because I teach in different ways. I mean, I write editorial copy for Natural Health Newsletter. Um, I, I teach copywriting classes and I have the podcast here. I'm writing a book, all these different avenues, but they're all about educating and the joy of sharing knowledge. And, and that to me is, is why I love these conversations. And, and I love the fact that you've discovered that passion and purpose for yourself and even more important, I love how you brought that out for our audience saying, look, it's not about what task you do. And if a copywriter ever lost all my fingers, well, maybe I could you know, voice it or <laughs> I don't know, but how how can you move forward and complete kind of like, what's your God-given purpose in this world? Did you, were you born to do something? To me, I think it's to, to help people. And I, I love helping people and teaching is is kind of like the, the gift, I would say, that allows me to do that. And it sounds like we're very much aligned like that. And I, I'm thankful to hear that you've brought that so clearly as a message, uh, to this audience. So thank you for that.
0: And I, I love to, to to kind of preach that message to freelancers because I know what being a freelancer is like. I still refer to myself as a freelancer. You and I talked about that. There's, I, have, I have solopreneur tendencies and thoughts, but for convenience sake, I refer to myself as a freelancer. And I know how freelancers think, and I know the struggles that they have. And one of them is being too married to the task. And I, I try to get that across to them. It's like, try to look. Is there something beyond? Is there a purpose? And again, that's what I saw in the entrepreneurs that I was working for. They, they have a purpose. That's what drives them. And so uh, one I'm thinking of in particular, when he does one business and then starts another business, and I think, well, why are you changing businesses? When I look deeper, his businesses still fit within his main purpose. And that's what drives him. That's very important to him. And I thought, okay, this guy's really successful. And the other entrepreneurs I know are really successful. And the thing that they seem to have in common is that they, one, they have a purpose. One, this is a whole other topic. They don't get on social media and complain about their lot in life or waste time on social media. That's probably an interview topic for somebody else to talk about the (laughs) pros and cons of social media. But I see a lot of people wasting time when they could be using that time so much better.
1: Yes, and I, I've been guilty in the past of that, and I've actually made some major changes in, in how I structure my day and my time, and I've even used tools like Block to, to minimize my, for example, that's just a tool I use myself. I, I put myself on a, on a leash, <laughs> literally, where I say I have 10 minutes of social media time every two hours. That's it, mm-hmm. and, and during a business day, I'm focused, and so uh, I, I keep myself in a tight leash because it's very easy for me to get sucked into that. I used to be sucked into the news, and I've been on, I think, one news site in the in the past three weeks and that was for all of about five minutes. Uh and that that's huge for me and, and level of productivity, but more importantly the level of focus on what's important to me. Is it really, you know, keeping up with everything that's going on in the world that I can't change anyhow? Or is it making a difference for the people with things that I can change and that I can change by what I do. And so focus time, that's that's so important.
0: Well I think and what you're saying, and I've done the same thing, is being intentional about how you 're using your time, I always um, go back one of the the, the business authors that I, I used to read a lot of i don 't do so much anymore Brian Tracy, and yeah. again i don 't know if he originated the saying, but I sure loved it what 's the best use of my time right now? and if you continue to ask yourself that i 'm pretty sure the best use of your time right now in the middle of the day is not you know futzing around on social media or watching a rerun of whatever popular reality show is out there at any given time. That really helped me to put stuff aside that's not important. For, for me, the social media, I kind of do it once in the morning, once in the evening. For me, social media is not important for the work that I do. For other people, it might be. So, you know, your, your mileage may vary, as they say. But I needed to strip that out because I wanted more focus time. Our time gets pulled so many different directions in any given hour. And uh, someone I think we both know, Mindy McCorse, she oh, recommended yes. a book and the name escapes me, but it was about having a large chunk of focus time where you're just not able to, you know, the phone's somewhere else, the, uh, the browser's turned off if you don't need it, because a lot of times we're, we're doing work in just little bits and pieces when it might be better if we could carve out, say, just an hour of uninterrupted time. I know when I'm doing my voiceover stuff, I can't have phones on. That <laughs> We don't need phones ringing in the background or little dings <laughs> exactly. saying you've got a message or something. So in, in my case, I'm kind of forced to have to shut things out. But I think everybody would benefit from that. And a lot of what we do, um, back to social media again, really isn't that important. We try to convince ourselves it is, but I think if we examine it, a lot of cases it's really not. And we could achieve so much more, Steve, if we just kind of put some of this stuff out of the way, at least temporarily. I'm not saying, you know, give it up cold turkey, but be intentional about when you're doing it.
1: Absolutely. And Mike, this has been great. I have one more question for you. And I like to ask most of my guests this question because I think it really helps, uh, not just put you on a spot, per prefer to say, but it, it kind of helps us know how you're thinking forward. And that question is, what's next for you and your business? What one thing are you doing right now? Or, or Mike, what should you be doing maybe <laughs> if, uh, if I was your coach or something to take your business to the next level? What, what's, what's next for Mike Clason?
0: I'm going to... F- I'm going to give an, another answer first because okay. I've got two kids who are just entering college and as a parent, my most important job is seeing them off successfully. Like you, we homeschooled our kids and my kids are both doing college from home. Uh, one is attending um, Berkeley College of Music in Boston and the other one is going to be attending online a college in Florida. A lot of what I think about these days is just trying to successfully launch them into the world. Like I said, my daughter does acting and voiceover, so I kind of manage her career. She's doing auditions just as much as I am. And so that is a big part of what I focus on. I don't think as much about what I want for my business because I've got my kids for just another few years before they're out on their own. So that's that's the main part of, of my answer is I'm really more focused on my kids than my business. The part about the business is I've only been doing this part for a few years now, and it's still in the building process. So to be quite honest, and I'm happy to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't got it all figured out right now. I'm still trying to figure out some things. I'm still building a good, solid client base. So that I want to do. I also need to get better at commercial work. Commercial work is where the money is. <laughs> and I'll just <laughs> be honest, money is good. I, I love having a purpose and a passion And that's really important, but I also like making money too. And commercial work takes a skill set. Like I said earlier, just because you can do one thing in voiceover doesn't mean you can do everything. And so I need to develop my skills so that I'm more than just an e-learning person. I can do other things. My daughter is an example. She's really good at animation. Uh, She has a demo and it's like, I could not do that. And I don't even want to do that. But I do want to get better in some other areas. So I want to build those skills up.
1: That's fantastic. And I, I love how your focus is your family. And you know what? That's why I started you know, my own business because right. I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle and have somebody else dictate my time to me. And that's why many people listening to the show are, either are in business for themselves or they plan to go in business for themselves because they don't want to be dictated to how they spend their family time and what their priorities are. And uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful answer. I, I'm, I want to applaud you, Mike, uh, that that is uh, the first thing that comes to mind is not even the business, it's family. Because honestly, that's why we're supposed to be, you know, if anything, that's why we have a business, because we want to support our family. And we, we have these kinds of solopreneur style businesses that opens up opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise. That That's wonderful. And I also like the fact that, you know, you're open and honest. And it's kind of hard to kind of open yourself up and be vulnerable like that sometimes. Say, look, I don't have it all figured out, but nobody really does. No one has everything figured out. And that, that's why we have conversations with other people like this, because we, we sharpen each other's iron, so to speak, and, and, and learn from one another and grow. And that's terrific. I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away by our conversation today, to be honest with you.
0: And I, and I think, too, the, the, the stumbling block that some people can have when they're being interviewed, and I used to interview people, you know, in a news setting and stuff, is to come across like, I've, I'm totally successful in everything that I've done, and you should listen to me. I'm still figuring some stuff out. So I'm never going to be dishonest and, and make someone believe, yeah, I've, I'm there. The other thing that you mentioned, though, is, is so important, and I hope my daughter doesn't listen and I embarrass her, she, when she started the, the acting, obviously, she needed me to drive her to auditions, which are in Seattle, which is about two hours away. I feel I'm blessed in a way that a parent does not always get a chance to interact with their, their children so much. But when we're in the car so much together going to these auditions, I have a relationship with my daughter and then with my son to, to a different degree. Uh, that I wouldn't have if I had been in that cubicle. So it was good that I, as much as I loved Microsoft, that was the last corporate job. It was a great place to work. I'm so glad that I made this move because I've gotten to interact with my kids in a way that most parents don't just because of the setup with public school and working and all that sort of stuff. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way it tends to be. But for us, it's, it's been amazing.
1: Terrific. Well, Mike, this has been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed this. And I'm sure it's been helpful for many of our listeners. Where can they learn more and connect with you?
0: I am at mikeklassen.com. And uh, the spelling, I don't know if you'll have those in the show notes, because uh, Klassen, K-L-A-S-S-E-N, but mikeklassen.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. That's really about the only social media I do. Social media is not as important for me in my business. But if people want to connect on LinkedIn, you can look me up. I'm the, the Mike Klassen who does voiceover. So there's a number of us on there, but you'll figure out which one I am. And, and so, uh, and then if people do have questions about voiceover, they can email me through the, the mikeclassen.com site and I'm happy to answer questions.
1: Awesome, yeah. And I also point out, you know, if you want to hear Mike's voice and his demo reel, you'll find that on his website too. So Mikeclass.com. It will be in the show notes. But again, it's Mike Classen with the K, K L A S S E N uh, dot com. And Mike, it's been my pleasure to have you on today. Thanks for joining us, Steve. I appreciate
0: the invitation again. Thanks for for letting me share with your audience. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. Come soar with us by joining our community at startgrowsoar.com. Again, that's startgrowsoar.com. We look forward to seeing you there. Hey, solopreneur Steve Combs here again. You can find all the show notes for today's episode at startgrowsoar.com forward slash 006. And in case you wondered why was this episode delayed a week, it's because my laptop bit the dust last week and I didn't get this episode into production before I had to buy a new laptop and then rather than get all frustrated about it, we just delayed it a week, but don't worry, the good news is no files were lost. I have dozens of great guests Just like Mike appearing on the show coming up next week, you can hear my interview with Jennifer Ellis, who handles publicity and management for speakers, authors, and other entrepreneurs. So make sure you're subscribed now so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for listening and see you next week.